Welcome to this episode of Disrupt, a podcast of the Cedarville University Center for Pharmacy Innovation. Today on the podcast, we will be discussing the role of pharmacists in free medical clinics with two guests, Dr. Alex Hintz and Dr. Joshua Pearson. Dr. Hintz serves as Assistant Professor of Pharmacy Practice at Cedarville University. She also serves as a volunteer pharmacist at Hardin Clinic, a free medical clinic in downtown Columbus. Dr. Pearson serves as Director of Pharmacy Services at Health Partners Free Clinic in Troy, Ohio. In this post, Dr. Pearson serves in a variety of roles, including staff pharmacist, clinical pharmacist, and administrator leader for the clinic. Well, listeners, welcome back to Disrupt Today. Earlier this year, we discussed the role of the pharmacist in disaster medical response, and we wanted to continue the theme of highlighting places where pharmacists are stepping up to meet the unique needs of diverse populations, particularly the underserved. So today, we'll be talking about free medical clinics. I'm uh, pleased to have on the podcast with us Dr. Alex Hintz and Dr. Josh Pearson here with us. Um, We'll be discussing specifically the role of pharmacists in these free medical clinics. Dr. Hintz received her Doctor of Pharmacy degree from the University of Charleston and completed PGY-1 residency training with Health Partners of Western Ohio. And then we were lucky to have her come here to Cedarville University, where she currently serves as Assistant Professor of Pharmacy Practice. In addition to this role, she maintains a clinical practice at a primary care clinic in Columbus and serves as a volunteer pharmacist at Hardin Clinic, which is a free medical clinic also in Columbus. So Alex, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having us, Justin. I'm glad to be here. And our second guest is Dr. Josh Pearson. He received his Doctor of Pharmacy degree from Cedarville University, so one of our alumni. He also completed PGY-1 residency training at Health Partners Free Clinic in Troy, Ohio, where he now serves as Director of Pharmacy Services. He's responsible for all kinds of aspects of the medication use process in the clinic, from dispensing to administrative tasks to clinical services, you get to do it all. So welcome to the podcast, Josh. We're glad to have you with us. I'm excited to be here. Great. Okay. Well, I've done enough talking. Let's turn this back to you guys. So Alex, maybe could you start by telling us a little more about yourself and the free medical clinic you serve within? Yeah, absolutely. So um, personally, I'm a wife and a mom of two. Um, And like you said, Justin, I serve as an assistant professor of pharmacy practice here at Cedarville University and also as a clinical pharmacist in a primary care setting in Columbus. Um, As you mentioned, I volunteer at Hardin Clinic, which is a free medical clinic in the Linden neighborhood of Columbus, Ohio. Um, And the mission of Hardin Clinic is actually um, to share the gospel and help patients experience God's love while delivering free health care. So a little bit of background about Hardin Clinic. It actually started out as a private practice. It was owned by a um, it was owned by a Christian physician. His name was James Hardin. And he passed away suddenly in 2009. And after that, his family actually donated the clinic to Grace Powell Church. Um, And Grace Powell Church has uh, since then opened a second free clinic in the Delaware area. Um, And collectively, kind of both clinics together are known as Grace Clinics of Ohio. So I volunteer at Hardin Clinic, which is the Linden location. um, And we're open every Saturday morning from nine to noon. And then um, we also do one Wednesday afternoon a month, we do a hypertension clinic. So um, at the clinic, we have lots of different healthcare professionals um, kind of work together. So we have physicians, uh, mid-level practitioners, we have pharmacists, nurses, front desk staff, scribes. So it's very much a team atmosphere and just a really great place to be on Saturday mornings. 
Yeah, and I can vouch for Hardin Clinic because I've also had the privilege of being involved in there in the past. So it's a great place. Uh, Josh, tell us a bit more about where you serve. Yes, the Health Partners Free Clinic has been in existence for over 20 years, uh, where we serve to provide access to high-quality health care to the uninsured and underserved of Miami and surrounding counties, Ohio. We have a variety of services and different ways we provide that access. We have primary care, chronic care management, uh, limited acute care services, lab, diagnostic tests, x-rays. We give out over $2 million worth of medications every single year. We have an insurance navigator, a food bank, community garden, uh, counseling services. Uh, we are now a breast and cervical uh, cancer screening provider, uh, something that we offer to the community as just scratching the surface of um, it, anything that we can do to uh, further that mission of providing access to high quality health care. Great. Now, Hardin Clinic is open most commonly on Saturdays. Now, what do the hours look like for um, for your clinic? Uh, great question. We currently are open um, Mondays, uh, Wednesdays, and Thursday afternoons for walk-in. Tuesdays, we kind of right now keep reserved for specialist appointments. That's when we have our, our counseling sessions. And we have our psychiatric nurse practitioner comes to see uh, our, our mental health um, cases. And um, that's what we look like right now. Great. I, I love that both of these clinics serve under a, a free medical clinic model, but have very different approaches to that. So I'm glad to have you both here to get a great perspective on what this can look like. Um, Alex, what motivated you to want to get involved in a free medical clinic? Yeah, so um, I think I had heard of free clinics when I was in pharmacy school, but I really didn't have much experience with them personally, I think, until I came to Cedarville. And it was actually you, Justin, who introduced me to Hardin Clinic, because um, I believe you and, and Thad Franz had been involved in the past. And so, um, yeah, you had explained to me kind of the mission and the opportunity to volunteer, and I was immediately really excited about it, because um, Throughout experiences in pharmacy school, I really developed a love for working with underserved patient populations, and that passion was really kind of solidified when I started my residency at NFQHC, uh, Federally Qualified Health Center, for those who don't know, um, which primarily serves underserved patient populations. So um, I, while I do serve some low-income patients at my clinical practice, I think I was really excited about the opportunity to kind of continue that type of work that I did in my residency. Great. Josh, what about you? When did you first hear about free medical clinics and how did you get involved? Well, I have a background that's rather heavy in retail. I have 12 years of retail experience. I found out about free medical clinics while a student at Cedarville University. My APHA mentor was Justin Kobe. Dr. Kobe, he um, was the executive director of Health Partners Free Clinic at the time. And just from meeting together and, and talking about professional goals, um, I discovered there's such a thing as free medical care, uh, particularly uh, targeting uh, those who have no uh, ability to pay or have lost their ability to pay, have lost those resources, and that there is a model available to them where they can thrive. Great. Okay. So now I'd, I'd like to get super practical and um, would love to hear, Alex, can you kind of walk us through a typical Saturday at Hardin Clinic? What does that look like for you in particular as a pharmacist? Yeah, sure. So, yeah, I have two kind of types of days at Hardin Clinic. Like you mentioned, most of those days are Saturday mornings. Um, that's when our whole clinic is open and our whole team is there to provide free medical care to anyone who walks in the door and needs it. 
Um, and then I also, like I mentioned, do um, kind of some Wednesday afternoons once a month where myself, a nurse practitioner, and then our program coordinator are there for specific scheduled appointments for patients who have hypertension. So on Saturday mornings, um, I come in a little before nine o'clock. Um, our team prays together. And then um, my primary role is then to dispense medications to patients, um, which is no cost to them. Um, and then as patients see the physicians, I often will get questions about therapy choices or recommendations that I have for treatment based on kind of the supply that we have. Um, and then after I get that prescription order, I take a look at their med list, make sure there's no questions or glaring problems. And then I prepare the medication, sit down with the patient, either in the patient room or out in the lobby to counsel them about that medication. So, um, and then on Wednesdays, when we do the hypertension clinic, as I mentioned, um, we typically have scheduled patients. So the nurse practitioner and I kind of alternate seeing those patients. Um, I meet with them, provide education about their disease state and their med medications. We talk about lifestyle changes, um, you know, really anything that kind of comes up. And then because we have a consult agreement in place at Harden Clinic, that allows me to make medication adjustments or order lab work if I need to. So those are kind of my two typical types of days. And um, yeah, they're both incredibly fun and rewarding. Okay, Josh, so what are some of the similarities and, and differences in relation to how Health Partners Free Clinic operates? Well, it's, um, I think one of the similarities is the flexibility. Um, and Dr. Hans mentioned uh, some of the things that she's able to do throughout through the um, context of a, a free clinic that maybe um, you might not see in a common retail practice or hospital practice. Uh, with being a free clinic, we can really tailor our services to the needs of our specific community. For health partners, we're open you know, throughout the week. On Monday mornings and Thursday afternoons, we have a walk-in clinic. Anyone can, well, just like it sounds, they can walk in and um, either establish care or they have an acute need that needs to be met. On Monday afternoons, you know, all day on Wednesday, we have scheduled appointments um, where they, uh, our patients will meet with a nurse practitioner or a specialist uh, and go over their um, chronic care needs or anything acute that has come up. Uh, within the, the week. As a pharmacist, uh, at least pharmacy services, what that can look like during this time is we are uh, doing med reviews for patients. We are uh, reviewing um, inventory, what we have available for patients. We are receiving prescription assistance packages directly from manufacturers for our patients. We are receiving recommendation consults, uh, requests for recommendation consults from prescribers. If they have a, a disease state that um, they would like a well, pharmacist um, expertise on or their influence in. We do patient counseling on Tuesdays. I will often be doing a dining with diabetes session uh, in Miami County for the community, either at Health Partners or at a community event uh, nearby. Um, Thursday mornings, we keep open, um, not for patient appointments, but uh, patients can uh, arrive to pick up medications, refills, or talk with the pharmacist about their medications during that time. Um, it's really um, what, what, what needs to be done, and we do it. No, that's great. So one of the questions that, that I always think about when I think about free medical care is, well, this has to be funded somewhere, right? Drugs are typically not free, nor are the supplies that are needed to care for patients, whether it's diagnostics or treatment, et cetera. So I'm curious, specifically related to drugs, how are drugs procured for free medical clinics? And are there any differences compared to maybe a traditional pharmacy? So Josh, I'll, I'll throw that one at you first. Thank you. Yeah, as, and looking from my, my retail heavy background, where I, 
I, variety of roles I served, one of them was inventory uh, management. It's very different. We share some things where we have traditional wholesalers and contracts where we can purchase medications at cost from traditional wholesalers, you know, the big names that you would uh, recognize, you know, Cardinal, McKesson, Amerisource, Bergen, and others. Uh, but then as a free clinic, we have access to an additional layer of uh, supply and inventory that isn't available to the for-profit models. Uh, one would be there are various organizations that gather medications uh, from terminal distributors uh, like wholesalers, uh, manufacturers, uh, distributors that maybe are close to expiration date within you know, six months of expiration date. Normally these would just be destroyed. It's too much of a log logistical hassle to keep these on the shelf or to try to introduce them into the drug distribution um, flow. Um, but instead of destroying them, they can donate them for a tax benefit to these organizations that then distribute them to free clinics. And each, each one of those organizations have different ways. Some of them operate on a first come first serve and you have to um, be always have their website open <laughs> and their catalog available to see what interesting thing might have popped up um, since you last checked. Others uh, create partnerships with manufacturers to maintain a core formulary, which is very helpful for us in managing chronic disease states. And more recently in the state of Ohio, there's been a new development where uh, the rules have been uh, expanded to allow uh, drug repository services where um, members of the public can donate their unused medications to the free clinic. Um, those medications then have to be um, subjected to an inspection process, a very rigorous and standardized inspection process by a pharmacist or a prescriber to ensure that there's um, no signs of adulteration or even just a question, any question of adulteration of the products. And then those products can then be, instead of being destroyed like they would have been previously, they can be used for those in our community that uh, don't have or have lost the ability to pay for their medications. Oh, that's, uh, that's excellent. And I'm curious, um, can another provider's office that gets samples, for example, can they donate those to a clinic? Is there a process that allows that? Up until uh, this month, the answer would have been no, uh, that any free clinic would have to uh, by law, uh, specifically solicit those requests for samples to uh, manufacturers and drug reps uh, specifically. Now with the, the changes in the rules, we are able to accept uh, samples, access samples from provider offices. If they have access inventory and want to clear off their shelves, or maybe they have some samples that are, yeah, it's getting close to expiration date. Um, they'd, and they'd rather not deal with uh, which one of these boxes do we need to use first? They can most certainly clear those off the shelves and donate them to the free clinic where they will be put to good use immediately. One of the things that I found unique about free medical clinics is I love that we have multiple different ways that we can get medications for patients that need them. But that also means there may be times where due to finances or supply, we may not have everything that we would want um, a patient to be on. So Alex, if I could ask you this first, how do you manage keeping patients on appropriate chronic therapies when sometimes your available medications in the clinic may change? Yeah, absolutely. I think that is a great question and something that needs to be addressed anytime that you're working with limited resources. So for us at Harden Clinic, we tend to order medications that aren't extremely expensive um, so that we do have the means to provide the same chronic therapy. Um, we do occasionally get samples for more expensive medications, but I find that our providers 
tend to shy away from using those, I think mainly for this reason. Um, but we also do have opportunities to send prescriptions to external pharmacies. And when we do that, we can connect patients with resources to help them continue those medications long-term. Um, so we're always working with them to try to provide uh, coupons or to connect them. We have a charitable pharmacy in our area. So we try to connect them there when possible. Um, um, you know, and even though at the charitable pharmacy, their supply does change at times, it's mostly fairly consistent or they at least tend to have similar alternatives that, so that can be a valuable resource to a lot of our patients. Um, there are also patient assistance programs, um, and different things like that, that can be options. I know we unfortunately don't do too much of that at our clinic, mainly since we are open only for the three hours once a week. And so communication and kind of getting that process going can be a barrier, um, for a lot of our patients, but I know that's an option as well. So those are just a few of the things that we might try, but there are definitely times when we need to be flexible and maybe get a little creative. So, um, yeah. Yeah. Creativity is definitely a, a key skill to have when you're working in a free medical clinic. That's for sure. Um, Josh, are, are there any unique legal parameters that expand or change what a pharmacist can do in a free medical clinic? Absolutely. And it varies from state to state, specifically in Ohio, uh, we have, um, like uh, Dr. Hintz mentioned, she is part of a, a collaborative practice agreement, which allows her certain um, limited prescribing rights and uh, ability to order labs if, if deemed needed. Uh, within our clinic, we operate on a personally furnishing model uh, instead of a um, instead of a charitable pharmacy model currently. And in the state of Ohio, normally, you know, if you have a prescriber office, at least up until right now, a pharmacist... Uh, isn't really able to be involved in the dispensing process within a prescriber's office. If you're doing a prescriber's office, maybe your primary care, or maybe even a specialist, a podiatrist, um, and they were to personally furnish you or to give you a medication there on site, maybe something they see all the time, so they keep it um, stocked on hand. A pharmacist wouldn't be really in, able to be uh, involved in that process. In the free clinic, though, they have the state has recognized the value that pharmacists bring to a free clinic, particularly in the uh, dispensing process. And so they have allowed legally that pharmacists can um, be a part of that uh, personally furnishing. They can be the one that does the final check, the verification on products that are personally furnished on behalf of the prescriber. It's something that we don't see on the for-profit end of things. Yeah. It, it, as far as Ohio law language goes, furnishing is something providers do. And dispensing is something that only pharmacists can do. And in and, and free medical clinics, we kind of see a, a blurring of the lines in terms of the role that the pharmacist can bring. So that's great. Um, Josh, are there any incentives for pharmacists and other providers to volunteer their time in the setting of a free medical clinic here in Ohio? Absolutely. The, the state has recognized that um, uh, pharmacists and other providers, they, um, they provide incredible value to those Ohioans who are most vulnerable. And that's uh, any of uh, any resident of Ohio can e quite easily find themselves in the situation where they need to access uh, the services of a free clinic uh, before they can be uh, reestablished in a, a way that they can. They have insurance or they have the ability to to pay for their their health care. For pharmacists, we have um, continuing education credits that can be given uh, for every hour of volunteering. Uh, up to right, right, currently right now, it's about up to 13 hours per reporting period for pharmacists. Um, that's something that's really, we're excited to offer a health partners free clinic uh, so that pharmacists, uh, when they volunteer their time and expertise, that they can be adequately compensated um, at, for that continuing education. 
So both of you have already talked about this next idea, but in my experience, free medical clinics rely heavily on interprofessional collaboration. Again, I think you've already highlighted that, but I'd love to dive deeper and have each of you tell us a bit about other providers you work with and how those interactions enhance care in the setting of a free medical clinic. So Alex, would you mind um, answering that from your perspective to get us started? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, like I mentioned before, we do have volunteers of um, many different types of professions, but even within those professions, we have different areas of kind of specialties or practice. So I think of um, one nurse practitioner that we have who kind of focuses on women's health, um, you know, more for her quote unquote day job. Um, We have a cardiologist, we have a pediatrician. So we have um, all different unique areas and specialties that are kind of coming together and looking at the patient from their unique angle. Um, So I think that's really cool because they're able to kind of speak to those unique areas. And we definitely all rely on each other a lot. Uh, We reach out often, we're in constant communication. And so I think that's a really cool aspect of this type of setting and definitely helps to provide the best quality patient care. Josh, what about for your clinic and the importance of interprofessional collaboration? I would say it's key to not just our success, but the ability, our ability to secure those outcomes for the most vulnerable. Uh, currently, the way the our, our for-profit medical system is designed, uh, we can be rather shocking that we, um, due to reimbursement, we're rather siloed, and we often ask find ourselves asking the wrong questions. When you're when you change and you're in a free clinic model where you're not seeking reimbursement and you have very limited resources, um, suddenly you have to be very intentional about everything you do. Um, And that results in, um, I'm highly uh, dependent on our social worker uh, to be able to interview our patients and find out uh, what needs do they have specifically. Um, They might not care to take a medication every day if they don't have shelter, if they don't have access to food. their hierarchy of needs is going to prioritize those things, um, or more, most commonly prioritize those things over, you know, I'm taking my medication for a chronic disease that won't kill me today, but it'll kill me in 10 years if I don't manage it now. That's just not on their list of things to do today when it comes to survival. Uh, our nurse practitioners are very dependent on pharmacy for uh, our ability to uh, take their information about what they've uh, assessed and diagnosed and match that with what do we have available in inventory? You know, lately with drug shortages, with the COVID logistics, um, maybe we don't have a nebulizer solution available, but we have a Respimat inhaler that actually we have a clinical trial that demonstrates it works just as well as the nebulizer vials that are no longer available. Um, our practitioners um, and our prescribers, they're not ex- we don't expect them to have that level of um expertise in product interchangeability, they, they rely on, on pharmacists to be able to assist them with that. Um, who else do we have? All the other uh, specialists that we have and um, even our, our receptionists, they often will have insight into how did a patient present themselves at the front desk and be able to um, share that information with our nurse practitioners to maybe say, you know, this person maybe warrants a, a bit extra care. We, one of our rooms at Health Partners is set apart as a um, more of a soft room, like the, the lights are, are dimmed, uh, they have it's curtains, and just kind of maybe a, a more comfortable, safe place uh, for those patients of ours that maybe they're experiencing an active migraine, or uh, maybe if they are having sensations that they do not feel safe, uh, that room provides the, that extra cushion, that extra um, 
mile, I guess, so to speak. And, and that enables us to be able to get those outcomes. One of the things that comes to mind is, as you both talk is that we know interprofessional care is the best care, right? We, we should be leveraging the strengths that we all bring to caring for a person. And one of the things that I think is best about free medical clinics is in some ways it can serve as a model for the fee-for-service uh, side of things as well. In free medical clinics, you're not as worried about time and time being related to money and reimbursement. We have time to say, you know what? We have a social worker here who would really love to chat with you or if there's a time you need to spend a few more minutes with a patient, you often can do that. Um, and, and so I just love that it actually, while there are different barriers to giving free medical care, offering that to the underserved, there are also barriers that are taken away. And it just allows you to focus on the patient, focus on their needs, prioritize, consider the social determinants of health, as, as Josh has kind of told us about here, and provide them with the best care that we know how as a team. So they, again, I... If you haven't already gotten a, uh, a sense of what a free medical clinic is and maybe even a desire to step in and learn more about them, um, I hope this is uh, fueling that fire a little bit. Um, so I'd love to hear some stories from each of you. So Josh, we'll start with you. What's your most memorable moment from the work you've done in a free medical clinic? Maybe there's more than one, but <laughs> let's let's focus on at least one or two. One of the attractive uh, things about working at or volunteering at a free clinic is we get a lot of these stories. <laughs> That's, I bet. <laughs> uh, any pharmacist that would like to volunteer at a free clinic, I mean, this is a great way to you know, recharge and then re-enter the, the for-profit world uh, with a, a sense of, of meaning and direction. Uh, just yesterday, uh, I had a patient, uh, I was counseling them on a new medication and you know, asked, instead of asking, how, you know, what, uh, do you have questions? I asked you, know, what questions do they have? And they just stopped me right there and said, you know what, I just want to tell you, you are the first doctors or pharmacists who actually listened to me or even cared what, what I had to say. And I'm sure that's not um, exactly true when it comes to, I'm sure that she would, this person was asked um, you know, what they think or how they feel with other clinics, but for some reason, it was a free clinic that was able to allow that person uh, the space to be able to feel that they were cared about and that their needs were important. And when someone has that sensation, they uh, it's more likely to have that shared decision-making, to have that buy-in for any therapies that are chosen and thus a better, um, more likelihood that um, you'll have those outcomes that you're, that you're <laughs> that's what we're working for anyway. Exactly, yeah. Alex, do you have any stories that come to your mind as memorable moments? Yeah, that's a great question. And I think, um, you know, it's a little bit difficult to pinpoint because there are so many things I enjoy about it. But I think one of the most exciting parts for me about working in a free clinic is really just the opportunity to get to know and to walk with people from um, different kind of walks of life or, um, you know, having opportunities to interact with people that I might not otherwise get the opportunity to do so. So, um, and, you know, even though obviously my goal in being there is to bless them and to steward my gift as a pharmacist well, but I ultimately find that I always end up being blessed, I think, just 10 times over what I'm able to give. Um, if they're just amazing people to work with, both the um, other volunteers at the clinic and also the patients at the clinic are just uh, wonderful people to be around. So that is 
Definitely just the people. That's my favorite thing about working in a free medical clinic to a smaller scale. I think also there's a little part of me that really actually enjoys the challenge of finding ways to help people with limited resources. I definitely don't enjoy the fact that they have limited resources, but um, when it happens, I like to kind of make it my mission to find solutions as best as I possibly can. So that's another, I guess, exciting part of the job in my opinion. Yeah, I think those are wonderful aspects. Josh, what about you? What do you love most about your work in, in a free medical clinic? Uh, like Dr. Hans said, besides it just being rather rewarding to work towards outcomes in a rather vulnerable uh, population uh, where it's rather challenging to get those outcomes. Um, as a pharmacist, have you ever really wanted to, like wished you had access to the medical record, maybe if you were in retail or especially pharmacy? Um, as a pharmacist, do you ever feel like you... Um, you really wished you had the ability to go the extra mile for someone or to do something or to shape the services uh, of the pharmacy to meet someone's very specific needs or how many times have you been billing insurance and wanting to pull your hair out <laughs> because this yeah. was covered yesterday and now it's not covered today and this patient's not going to be able to get that medicine because of um, this you know glitch with, with the third-party payers. In a free clinic, that's... That doesn't exist. We have access to the medical record in real time. We have access to the prescribers in real time. We have that interprofessional collaboration that you you don't often are able to have or get to see in a siloed for-profit system. We get to practice um, pharmacy services and our practitioners get to practice medicine kind of in a way like that it should be, um, independent of any uh, policy or, or payers. Uh, if, if you want to have a... Um, or if you feel like there would be value in having a committed management service, we can do that. <laughs> if you think that uh, we should, um, that we would benefit or patients would benefit by changing the layouts of, of the, or the workflow of how patients are seen or processed through the clinic, we can do that. Uh, there's, uh, there's no large um, you know, set of barriers or, uh, that we have to address or be limited by. It's really what's going to be in the best interest of the patient and, and let's do that thing. I think those are, are great thoughts, and it, it almost could seem like we're, we're talking about a, a Pollyanna setting, right? Like this perfect place to practice medicine and pharmacy and all of these things together. But re the reality is there are challenges, and we've highlighted some of those. Um, I, I'd like to know from your personal perspective, what would you say is the most challenging part of working in a free medical clinic? Um, Josh, maybe you could jump in on that one first. Obviously, the uh, how to keep it free is a challenge. Um, at Health Partners, we've had you know, 20 years of practice on how to develop meaningful partnerships with members of the community that uh, recognize the value that we give. And so they partner with us uh, with donations or partnerships with uh, manufacturers or wholesalers, distributors, or those organizations that are really seeking to provide uh, resources uh, for those in need. And they just need someone on the ground like us uh, to be able to funnel those resources too. And then... For someone like Health Partners that has the word free clinic in their name, it can be a challenge to get past the stereotype of a free clinic. Often in our area, I mean, Dr. Hintz, I think you're more in an urban area. Health Partners free clinic is located in a more rural area. Um, we have a lot of um, folks that don't, they might feel like they don't want to use the services of a free clinic. That Oh, that those free clinic, that's for folks who really need help. And, and I'm, I'm not there yet. And getting, getting to the place where they're willing to admit that about their own situation or um, 
being willing to uh, give up a little bit of that, uh, I don't want to say pride, but um, that little bit of self-respect that oh, I'll keep paying for my, my medications, even though that means I'm not going to be able to pay for food or pay for my, my housing, or I'll keep um, you know, paying for my primary care visits or having them put it on my tab and I'll, we'll figure it out eventually. Uh, when there's this other resource that is available to them that they could use if they were um, willing to get beyond that, that stereotype. And so it can be a challenge for us to find those ways of um, allowing um, those people to feel welcomed and to feel like they're not uh, sacrificing their own self-respect by engaging with the services of, of a free clinic. We're, we're here for them and we're not satisfied to allow them to stay in that position of need. We want to see them thrive and get back to the for-profit system. Yeah, Alex, what would you have to add to that in terms of some of the challenges that you face personally with this work? Yeah, so I agree with what Dr. Pearson was saying. I would I would maybe add kind of on the opposite of what he his answer to the previous question in terms of what we enjoy and all the things that we can do in free medical clinics. I think, you know, ultimately there is always more that can be done. And so I think sometimes for me, that can feel discouraging, just feeling like I can't meet all of the needs of the patient or there are some things that are out of my control. And so I think sometimes that can be a bit challenging when you are seeing that from a personal perspective. Yeah, absolutely. Well, as we get closer to wrapping up, I, I wanted to talk a bit more about the opportunities that exist for pharmacists to be involved in, in free medical clinics. So Josh, are you aware of any professional organizations, networking opportunities that allow you to connect with other pharmacists that are serving in free medical clinics? Yes, there are several organizations, uh, local level and uh, national, that would serve this purpose. Locally, in the Miami Valley, we have the Miami Valley Pharmacist Association, which is actually headquartered at Health Partners Free Clinic. Uh, we uh, serve as a regional organization to promote community ed education and uh, pharmacist involvement in the community. So that's an excellent place to get connected with pharmacists serving in uh, free clinics or other uh, like FQHCs and things like that. Uh, more nationally, we have the NAFC. They have over 1,400 free clinics as members, and which presents an excellent network uh, to be able to find out you know, what opportunities exist in other states, or maybe what are some things that other clinics are doing that are working well, and let's duplicate that or replicate that here. There's the Charitable Healthcare Network with over 50 clinics here in the Ohio area specifically. It sort of seems serves the same purpose as the national organization, but more locally uh, restricted to uh, Ohio clinics, what's relevant to just here statewide. Great. Okay. So would you say, is, is there a need for more pharmacists to be involved in free medical clinics? Of course, there are many clinics out there. You just mentioned that. Um, but do we need pharmacists? Absolutely. <laughs> Come volunteer. Come help start a free clinic wherever you're at. It can be done and it can be done well. And there are, the resources are there. Uh, the, the passion is there in, in the form of you. Um, and like Dr. Hintz said, there's, um, it's rewarding. Absolutely. Yeah. Dr. Um, Hintz at Hardin Clinic, would you say the same is true, that there's always opportunity for pharmacists to be involved? Yes. Yes, definitely. We are always looking for licensed volunteers, pharmacists and otherwise to work um, or to volunteer their time at the clinic. So, um, yeah, I definitely agree. 
So Josh, what advice would you give to a pharmacist or a student who's listened to this and they're thinking, I really want to jump into this space. Where are some places they can start? What would you advise them to do? I would advise them to uh, connect with one of us, Dr. Hintz or I, uh, with either of our free clinics. And if we can't get you connected with us in a volunteering role, uh, we definitely know someone else uh, that would serve the same purpose, uh, either here in Ohio or you know, we're as free clinics, it's a small world out there. Uh, we, we know everybody else. We can get you connected with another free clinic uh, in a place that maybe is more relevant to you. Great. Okay. And then I just want to give each of you an opportunity to provide any last words that you might want to share with our listeners about serving as a pharmacist in a, a free medical clinic. Any last things that you'd want to make sure our listeners um, walked away with? Alex, do you mind answering that first? Um, yeah, I, I can't think of a whole lot other than what we just said and would just, you know, reiterate the benefits that come with it and just overall really great opportunity. So definitely would recommend it if, um, yeah, if you see fit. Great. Josh, do you have any parting words for us? Uh, just that it's a, it's a win-win. There are many opportunities. Uh, there's CE for volunteering. It's a safe place to uh, engage those opportunities and to make an incredible difference in a population that otherwise wouldn't have access to the even the chance to get those outcomes. Come, come volunteer, come get involved. Uh, you'll never be the same. That's great. Okay. And we'll be able um, to share some links in our podcast description to the websites for both of these clinics if you do want to connect with either Alex or Josh. And so you can learn a bit more about what free medical clinics do. Well, um, to both of you, thank you so much about um, for coming onto the podcast and talking about this topic, one that I'm personally passionate about and one that, I, you know, I think we could do a lot of good for more people if we had more volunteers. So um, keep doing the great work you're doing and thank you both for joining the podcast. Thanks for the opportunity. Thank you, Justin. You have been listening to Disrupt, a podcast from the Cedarville University Center for Pharmacy Innovation. If you enjoyed listening today, please subscribe and share this podcast with others. Thanks for listening.